Well, good morning again, and welcome to Faith. We're so glad that we're here together today, and we are going to be continuing last week's message, or in last week's chapter, Matthew chapter 7, and finishing up chapter 7 with verses 28 and 29. And let's go ahead and grab our Bibles this morning and take a look at those two verses, and then we will jump right on in and and open this up from here. Verse 28 of Matthew chapter 7 says, And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings. If you go back up, Jesus was teaching many other, many who were there, uh, what we call the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus had just finished uh, talking about uh, the foolish and the wise builder. Those who obeyed the commands of Jesus were likened to the image of a person who built a house upon a solid foundation. And when the winds and the storms came, the water rose, the house withstood. Then he likened those who heard his words, heard his teaching, but chose to ignore what he said and not incorporate them into their lives and not follow his teaching, not follow Jesus, he likened them to a person who built their house on the sand. Storm came, the water rose, the winds blew, and the house fell. And he said, great was the fall of it. And we see that there are many who, uh, by our life choices, we can end up being frustrated and end up being very sad because of our life choices. And then he goes back to, or the, the Matthew goes back to, uh, takes, goes from the narrative and goes to a little bit of commentary. And he says in verse 28, And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished. They were amazed at his teaching, and here's the reason why. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. The teachings of Jesus often amazed his followers. And what we see in the book of Acts and the following epistles, the letters of the apostles, that even the teaching of the apostles amazed the people because they looked at them and said, well, these were uh, ignorant people. They, they didn't go to school. They didn't go to the best. Uh, they didn't sit under the best rabbis. How do they know so much? How can they teach with such authority? And so the people who had listened to Jesus were amazed because he was so different than the typical religious teachers that they were accustomed to hearing. The crowds immediately recognized Jesus' authority because uh, he doesn't interpret or he doesn't teach based on the interpretation of earlier rabbis, as was the custom. And so there were many who, when they spoke, they would open up, they would unroll a scroll, and, and they, would, they would teach. And as Rabbi Gamaliel, as Rabbi so-and-so has has taught, uh, this is what we believe this section teaches. And, and we do the same today. Uh, we, we open up God's Word, we preach God's Word, and we say, well, as the majority of commentators agree, this is what we believe this verse teaches. Well, Jesus was different. 
Jesus taught prophetic utterances from God, Jesus spoke with the authority of the one who wrote Scripture. He speaks prophetically on behalf of God. He says, this is what people are like. This is what happens to someone who doesn't follow the teachings of God. And he speaks authoritatively. He doesn't speak as if he's speaking for someone else. He's speaking on behalf of himself and speaking on behalf of his heavenly Father because he knows the meaning of the word. So Jesus with authority, not like the Scriptures or the Pharisees. He spoke authoritatively. And as we look in verse 28, it says, And so it was when Jesus had ended these saying that the people were astonished or the people were amazed. The word that you use here is the, a, a Greek verb that described being amazed to the point of being overwhelmed. As a matter of fact, the word really in the Greek means struck out. And we're not, I'm not talking like striking out at baseball. We're talking at, it's like it struck them, and it's almost like it, it struck them to the point of being speechless, being speechless, being overwhelmed. And so he says the people were struck out. We can't believe. How can he speak with such authority? So it, it means overwhelmed. So our question this morning is, why could Jesus speak with such authority? Well, he spoke with authority, number one, because of who he is. And we're going to open that up in just a little bit. Secondly, he spoke with authority because of what he was doing, what he was on the earth accomplishing. And he spoke with authority because of what he was going to do. He spoke with authority because of who he is. So he asked the question, who is Jesus? Who is this prophet, this priest, this individual that, by the way, there is more historical evidence that Jesus lived than any other character in history? And it's amazing that people would try to have us believe or not believe when you listen to the History Channel, when you, when you listen to uh, atheist teachings. Uh, or those who would expound on, on what they uh, expound upon their ignorance, uh, they will say that there's very little evidence that there's there's very little evidence that Jesus ever existed or that he ever whatever. Well, think about it. We have been told by not only but only biblical historians, but we've been told even by Christian historians of the first and second and third century that there is so much evidence because of the witnesses and because of the right of those who had been with him, who had heard him speak. And so when we take all of the references to this historical figure, Jesus, his miracles, what he said, where he went, what he did, we have more evidence that Jesus lived than Plato, Aristotle, and anyone else who has ever lived in history. And so, who is Jesus? Well, he's, number one, he's first. He's the second person of the Trinity. We see that in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Verse 18 of Matthew 28, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, What did Jesus say? I have the authority. All authority has been given to me in heaven, and on earth, 
He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And then in teaching them how to baptize, Jesus says, those that you lead to Christ, lead to me, those that you uh, lead to follow me and those that you disciple, he says, baptize them how? In the name of the Father and the Son of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So who is Jesus? Jesus is the Son of God. He's the second person of the Trinity. And he says, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So we baptize. That is our baptism formula. Uh, We baptize by immersion. We baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So his position is declared. Every time a follower of Christ is baptized and shows publicly that they are identifying themselves with Jesus Christ. And they're not ashamed of being identified with Jesus. So, Father, the Bible teaches us to be baptized. And in doing so, we're saying, I'm not ashamed of Jesus and I don't mind being identified with Jesus the Christ. And so his position in the Trinity is declared in every baptism. But he's also... The Creator. The Bible says, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Scripture says that, that of all things that were made, that there was nothing made without Him. And so Jesus Christ is even there in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the plural pronoun that's used. So I had an interesting conversation with Jehovah's Witnesses one day. And they were saying that Jesus was not at, the, at creation. I said, well, who was God speaking about uh, when he used the plural pronoun? Oh, what? Don't you know your original languages? How can you proclaim to teach uh, someone that they don't know what they're talking about when you don't know what you're talking about? And, and so Jesus was with God. Jesus, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit was, was brooding upon the, over the face of the waters. So God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit was there in creation. Bible also teaches that Jesus is the Redeemer. In Colossians chapter 1, verse number 14, the Bible teaches in whom, in Christ, we have redemption. Uh, We have been redeemed, bought back out of the slave market of sin through the blood of Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of sin. So Jesus redeems us. Jesus has bought us back out of the slavery to sin and we receive forgiveness of sin. He is also the eternal one. Before Abraham was, I am, Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse number 58. Revelation 1, 17, he says, I am the first and I am the last. That's a reference to I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. John three sixteen. he's the only begotten of the Father. There is no one else like Jesus. He is the unique Son of God, is what the Greek word teaches there, uh, means there in John chapter 3, verse 16. He is the unique Son of God, only begotten. There is none like Him. They broke the mold, so to speak. There is only one Jesus. And He is, only, he is also the only way to heaven. We see that in John chapter 14, verse number 6. Jesus said to him, and uh, he goes on to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. It's not through religion. It's not through the church. It's not through doing penance. It's not through following the Ten Commandments. It's not through our own good works. It's not through our family pedigree. I am the way, the truth, the life. And then he goes on to say, no one comes to the Father except through me. And that's offensive to some people. I preached a funeral this, this past Friday. I lose track of time. Uh, Friday. And I can almost always tell those who are offended by the gospel. Because when I got to the point of, because it was a friend that I was uh, preaching his funeral, I uh, knew that he was a Christian, um, and because we had talked about uh, his salvation uh, a number of years ago, and when I got to the point of the gospel, when I was sharing the gospel, uh, I can almost always tell, almost every funeral, when I get to the gospel and really preach the gospel hard, depending upon the individual uh, whose funeral I'm, I'm preaching, Two elderly ladies got up and, and walked out. Now, may, that may not have been the reason, but often people will get up and leave when I get to that point of the message because it offends them that it's not about the church. You can't get to heaven by being a church member, depending upon which church. It's only through belief and faith and trust Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And, you know, I, I make no apologies for offending people because Jesus said, don't worry. You will offend people, he told to his disciples. As a matter of fact, you will offend them so much that they will want to put you in prison. They will want to kill you and persecute you. So don't be surprised when the world persecutes you because of me. Because the world hated me, guess what? The world may hate you or will hate you as well. So Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus spoke with authority because of who he is. Secondly, Jesus spoke with authority because of what he was doing. Because of what he was doing. What was his mission on earth? Redemption. His mission was to save mankind, redeem us from our sin. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God demonstrated his love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so the demonstration of the love of God was Jesus, the Son of God, the perfect, sinless, spotless Lamb of God, would empty himself of his glory and take upon himself the form of human flesh, come to the earth, live life as a human being, and die on the cross. Him who knew no sin, the Bible says, became sin for us. Because of what he was doing, his mission was redemption. He was then on a mission of redemption. And he was more than just a great teacher. There have been many great teachers down through history. There are many great teachers today. Many great teachers, many great preachers who would do a much better job than I am this morning. But they are not Jesus. Jesus spoke with authority because of what he was doing. He was more than just a great teacher. He was more than just a popular religious figure of his day. He was the Lamb of God on His way to the cross. John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward Him and said, Behold, 
the Lamb of God, which takes or who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. He had humbled himself so that he might be exalted. We see that in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. And Jesus was revealing his truth, his eternal truth, to his listeners. That's why he spoke with such authority. That's why he spoke with such eloquence and so powerfully. Have you ever been given a message by someone to give to someone else? And you think you understand what they're saying? And you go to someone else, well, this is what so-and-so said to tell you. And I think I got it right. Okay, here he goes. And so we hope we got it right. We think we got it right. And so just say, well, you know, I, I may have gotten it wrong, but I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what they said. Jesus didn't speak that way. Jesus spoke unequivocally. He said, this is the way it is. And he didn't hem, he didn't haul around. He said, this is the way it is. And the crowd were struck out. <gasps> We've never heard anybody like this before. How can he speak with such authority? Well, because of who he is and because of what he was doing. He was demonstrating his power over sin and sickness as well. Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 3 of when he was about his ministry, when he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Verse number 3. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And the Bible says immediately his leprosy was cleansed. His skin became just like new, and the leprosy with the sores were gone, and everything was like it should have been. So Jesus was showing, revealing his power over sin and sickness. He was providing, or he was showing, proving his power over nature as well. Remember in Matthew chapter 8, verse 26, his, his disciples were going across to the other side of the sea, Jesus was asleep in the boat there on his pillow and the great storm arose and the water was coming in and they were afraid the boat was going to break apart and they were afraid for their lives. And these were seasoned uh, fishermen. Uh, these, had, these guys had been in boats their entire lives. So they were accustomed to storms. But the storm was so bad, they were afraid to die, they were, that they were going to die. And they woke Jesus up, like saying, how can you sleep at a time like this? And Jesus stands up, and he says, he, tells, he says to the storm, peace, be still. And all of a sudden, the angry waves calmed down. The howling wind ceased. The wind and the waves obeyed him because of his what? Authority. You got it. You got the theme of this morning's message. Uh, so his authority is because of the authority of Jesus as creator and as the second uh, person of the Trinity, the, the, the sea and the winds obeyed him because of his authority. He was also setting sinners free. Matthew chapter 9. 
verses 1 through 3. So he got into the boat, crossed over, came to his own city. Then, behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer. A little bit different this time. He didn't say, immediately, get up and walk, you're healed. What did Jesus say? And remember, Jesus always did everything he did for a reason. Jesus used what he did and what he said to teach. Jesus had no wasted moments. And so, in his also showing power over sickness and disease, Jesus is showing his power over sin. So what does he tell this paralytic young man? Your sins are forgiven. He didn't ask for forgiveness, but Jesus provided forgiveness. He says, your sins are forgiven you. And then what was the response? And at once, some of the scribes said within themselves, this man does what? This man blasphemes. He's not God. How can he say that you're forgiven? Well, over and over and over, Jesus was saying, you've seen me, you've seen who? You've seen the Father. Because when I speak, I speak for the Father. The Father sent me. I and he are what? One, he said. So we're, we're one. We're one. And so he spoke with authority because he had authority over sin as well. And then Jesus was getting ready to head toward the cross to die for our sin, and on the third day, rise again. We see that in Matthew 27. We see that in Matthew 28. We see that at the end of the, excuse me, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John speaks about this. Jesus Christ was dying on the cross, going to die on the cross for our sin and rise again, to prove that God was satisfied with that penalty. So why could Jesus have authority that would overwhelm his listeners? Because of who he was, because of who he is, because of what he was doing, and also because of what Jesus is going to do. Things that we have not even seen yet, that Jesus is already in the works accomplishing the first thing is, he's going to return for his church. We see that in John chapter 14 and verses 1 through 6. He is going to resurrect those who are in Christ. We see that in 1 Thessalonians. We see that, where, that we're going to one day, the, uh, Jesus Christ is going to come in the clouds. And the dead in Christ are going to what? Rise first. And we who are alive and remain, we caught up together with them. In the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So those who are in Christ, who have died, are going to be resurrected to be with Christ. We'll we'll receive a glorified body, the Bible says, uh, and we're going to be with Him forever. So He's going to return for His church. He's going to resurrect the Christian dead. He's going to return uh, with His church at the end of uh, Battle of Armageddon. At the end of the Battle of Armageddon, we're going to be riding with Him. The Bible teaches in the book of Revelation 19. And he's going to set up his kingdom, his rule and his reign for a thousand years. Revelation chapter 20, verses 4 through 7. So there are so many things that Jesus is going to be doing 
and is even the process of doing today. He's, built, he's building his church. Every day that souls are added to the kingdom, every day that people trust Christ and follow him, he's building his church. And we're not saying this particular church, that particular local church, this particular denomination. We're talking about the church universal. Everyone across the world who trusts Christ as their Savior. Not Baptist, it's not Catholic, it's not whatever. Doesn't matter what flavor you are. It is if you trust in Christ, we're part of His family. And this is what Jesus is doing. This is what Jesus is going to do. And so as we conclude this morning, have we heard God's Word? Because as Jesus said, those who hear me and obey my Word are wise, and they're like the person who builds their house on a solid foundation. Because when the storms of this life, when adversity comes, their life is going to withstand the test. Have we heard God's word and obeyed it? Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? Have you come to that point in your life where you know that and come short of the glory of God? And understand that the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God but also understanding that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Have you trusted Christ? Are you trusting Christ as your Savior? And secondly, are you ready for His return? You know, it's one thing to say, well, you know what, I've trusted Christ. But to say, I'm following Him right in this moment, so I won't be ashamed when He comes. If He comes right now, He won't find me doing anything that I shouldn't be. Well, of course, hopefully everyone here... If he comes right now, he'll find us worshiping him. But what about tomorrow? What about tonight? What about next week? When nobody else is watching, when nobody else is listening, will we be ashamed? Are we ready for his return? And are we surrendered to his authority? Because Jesus, remember, has the authority to tell us how to live our life. Now, this is what, the, this is what we as human beings don't like. We don't like anyone telling us what to do. And I am king of that lot. I don't like anyone because you know what? We want to be the master of our own domain. We, want to be, we don't want anyone telling us what to do. Now, if you have a follower personality, you're probably relatively okay with that most of the time. Uh, but there are many of us, there are many people who really truly have difficulty, and some more than others. There are some. Followers of Christ and not, who still have difficulty with following the authority of Christ in every area of their life. Some, so for some people, it's giving, giving the tithe, giving over and above the tithe, giving abundantly, freely, joyfully. Uh, there are some who have difficulty with that in their relationship, some who have difficulty fully obeying the authority of Christ in the area of tax returns i mean so it's just just we, it's the, the entire gamut and so are we surrendering completely to the authority of jesus christ let's pray our father we are so so very thankful for the authority of jesus christ for god in the flesh who came to this earth willingly lovingly went to the cross, endured suffering and shame and agony 
in our place. So, Father, I thank you today for what you are doing in our lives. I thank you for what you're going to do. Ultimately, at the end of this age, as you usher us into eternity, and as you set up your eternal kingdom, Father, we pray that we may honor you and glorify you in everything we do and say. Bless us today beyond measure. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.